0: Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of the Wild Truth Chase Podcast. My name's Nicholas Schaefer. I'm here with my co-host, Neeraj Shah. Neeraj, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks, Nick. Um, and
1: did I catch that right? Is that another rebranding of the podcast?
0: Yeah, I mean, we can we can talk a little bit about the name of the podcast if you want, but um, we're in the habit now of changing it almost weekly, it seems. <laughs>
1: We're just trying out, it's like trying out a new outfit, right? We're just trying out new names.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which like, I think we both like the wild truth chase in print, Um, but then I'm having trouble saying it. So I'm not sure if it's going to stick.
1: Wild truth chase. As I said before, I'm just excited about the idea of having a goose as a logo. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, but it answers to your very first question that I'm doing very well. Um, I'm glad to be back on the podcast with you. Um, and today we're gonna to be discussing diet.
0: yeah, uh, so we're we're back on our season one line um, where in general we're discussing topics related to aging. and uh, today's topic uh, specifically is is diet.
1: And I, I think diet is probably, or well, having a healthy diet covers a, a huge amount of your life not just necessarily like your old age um, but I mean my own experience with diet I'll I will say has been I wish I could do better if I was to sum it up in 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 a little phrase um, you know we, we did a previous episode on exercise and now this one about diet and I, I really kind of wish that they would form the cornerstone of my of my lifestyle. But in reality, those are the two things that flex the most. So if I've got work or if I've got something else, it'll be exercise that I drop or I'll just eat really unhealthily. And I especially when I've got a lot going on, I do eat extremely unhealthy food. So I'll sit there with a packet of biscuits, cookies, as they're called in the US, and I will eat a fair few of them. Um, yeah. Nick, do, do you have any experiences like that with your diet?
0: Yeah. I mean, we said previously, I think on the episode about exercise that, you know, it's sort of surprising how few people are, um, even meeting kind of basic recommendations about using exercise in their life. And, and I do feel that way, you know, about diet, um, as I was preparing for the podcast, it really struck me as odd, uh, if not a little bit disturbing that it's taken like preparing to do this podcast for me to even spend any time at all, really thinking about my diet. Um, you know, I have sort of fleeting thoughts here and there when I notice myself eating certain things, but in terms of like concentrated focus on thinking about what I should be eating every day, I just, I don't ever recall doing it, uh, until, you know, until today, basically. So, um, I, in that sense, like I, I share your sentiment that, you know, I wish it was a bigger emphasis, um, or at least I had formed better habits around it so that I didn't need to think about it, but I was still making the right choices.
1: And I think that's probably not an unusual, um, experience with diet. I think a lot of people do have fleeting thoughts about it, say when they just go to buy something unhealthy or when they're sitting there with their cookies and they, and they feel guilty for a moment. But yeah, I mean, there's clearly some obstacles to having a healthy diet and especially one for me that that I really struggle with is just the
0: breadth of information and just feeling like I'm lost in all of that. Um, I (laughs) I think it's very, it's very common, um, to express kind of hopelessness or cynicism when it comes to getting in good information about diets. And it's true that like, you know, a lot of the literature will just come out and say, you know, there's not strong consensus around, you know, precise diet recommendations. On the other hand um, it does seem like some consistent guiding principles are emerging. And um, you know, really it's, you know, for most people, it's a practical matter of like making very wrong decisions versus making uh pretty good decisions, not like pretty good versus maybe perfect decisions, where I think is where most of the confusion lies.
1: I, I think that's really good. Like, I mean, I think, yeah, I think sometimes we do beat ourselves up about trying to get perfect decisions and, and it's that the perfect is the enemy of the good. And just being able to make good decisions as a starting point is, is really good. I I was reading one of these, I was reading a paper earlier today and um, through it all, it was talking about things like my, my, micronutrients and vitamins and phylinons and oxida- like oxidants and things like that. And I was already lost all, all, all there. Is, is that anything that you're familiar with coming from a biophysics background?
0: Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I, it's probably true that I have some, you know, slightly higher level of familiarity with some of the terminology. But on the other hand, I did find it very helpful um, what one of our resources pointed out, which is that when it comes to making recommendations, uh, recommendations that focus on particular macro or micronutrients are much more confusing to people in general. And if you can just talk in terms of types of food, um, that's a lot more familiar and therefore likely to be more likely to be effective um, in, you know, getting people to change what they're eating. So I, I thought that that was an interesting, you know, point that, the, that it made.
1: And, and one recurring theme, I think, in all the, all the literature we read was the idea of a Mediterranean di- diet being quite positive for, for health.
0: Yeah, Um, uh, you you had put together the resources and I, you know, I, before I asked you, I didn't know whether or not you had actually just included that as a search term (laughs) because it seemed to be popping up everywhere. Um, But, but you said you didn't, right? You didn't bias the search towards the Mediterranean diet.
1: That's correct. So I searched things like aging and diet, uh, obstacles to a healthy diet and, and things like that. So that's, that's more. So there was nothing there in there particularly about um the Mediterranean diet but it, it came up in a few papers especially actually the the papers that came up about aging and diet a lot of them covered the t- topics of um mental health and dementia Alzheimer's disease and the Mediterranean diet was referenced a lot in there as been or, or or for there being evidence uh, that the Mediterranean Mediterranean diet can help in those cases or reduces risk in those cases.
0: Right. And we should say, it may be obvious, but we should say that, you know, that's not strong evidence that, um, everything about the Mediterranean diet is perfect. Um, you know, one aspect of this is just that, you know, it's, it's a quite heavily researched diet, uh, as compared to other diets. Right. And so, uh, it will have the tendency to, to come up more often just by virtue of that.
1: Exactly. So there'll be people who cite studies about the Mediterranean diet, and it will just propagate, I think, through, literature for that reason um and we're not sure which other diets have necessarily been so well researched but uh, that one definitely appears to be one of the most researched diets um but it it might it's it's probably worth just expanding what what is the mediterranean diet so i think that's a lot of vegetables a lot of fruits um plant-based oils i think so like olive oil um and a, a low amount of dairy and red meat is that right
0: nick yeah, it sounds right um so yeah. you know you sort of implied this but low amounts of added sugars mm. um, a lot of fiber coming through vegetables and fruits um also through your grain sources so a lot of you know processed grain sources will um have the fiber essentially stripped out um, mm. of them and uh and then yeah emphasis on mono unsaturated fats uh, such as olive oil, avocados, and nuts. That's what it says here.
1: Okay. So if we take that as kind of a, I mean, if we just drop the name of Mediterranean Mediterranean diet, but just take the idea of having quite a high number of vegetables and fruits and things in your diet, how would you say that your diet ranks, Nick?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I count myself fortunate, um, somewhat in the sense that, you know, I, throughout my life, I've liked to eat vegetables. Um, And you know, without thinking about health concerns, and so you know, I'm I'm good in that way. On the other hand, it is annoying to me how good unhealthy foods taste. This is just (laughs) sort of like a background fact that uh, you know. I I think, and I've heard basically just one explanation for this, which is that you know those kinds of foods uh, were not very available to our ancient ancestors um we're sort of like the you know most aspects of our humanity were kind of crystallized right and then um there's been a relatively rapid in terms of like historical times a rapid increase in the availability of unhealthy foods and uh therefore we still have kind of like the same cravings but but the the availability has changed so much that we eat unhealthy amounts of, of these very unhealthy foods. Is that kind of like the explanation you've heard, or have you heard any other explanations as to why, you know, it doesn't really seem to make sense. Like why would you want to eat unhealthy foods so much?
1: Well, so I, I have heard that explanation and, and that does make sense. I think convenience may be another factor in this, um, in terms of cooking time, preparation, um, actually thinking about what you're going to buy when you go to the supermarket and, and all of that. I think that actually is quite a mental load. Um, I I'm rubbish with coming up with a meal plan or anything. It's just like whatever's in the fridge and then try and put it together. So for me, like there is convenience, but taste for sure is a, is a factor. Um, yeah. Cause I am also, I'm not immune to, to, uh, less healthy foods. Uh, let's say
0: just, I mean, uh, I think this happened in our exercise episode, you know, we, we talked about you had asked me like, what, what am I going to do with this kind of information? Right. And I cynically said that I I would do nothing, but the truth is that like, since then I've biked in the morning almost every day or probably, you know, perhaps every day since then. And it's not a great amount of exercise. I'm still not up to those, you know, those recommendations that we highlighted previously, but, but it's something. Um, and, and actually I, you know, in going through this research, I found myself like even in those few hours, uh, sort of making more conscious decisions about what I was going to eat. Um, and so like, I, I, I went for the cashews instead of the potato chips, um, <laughs> in, in a snack, you know, that I had after lunch and for lunch, I had, you know, mostly vegetables, um, in the form of soup and then a little bit of, of noodles.
1: Uh, can I just say that's awesome that you're uh, cycling every day, uh, I, <laughs> you were so certain that it, it wouldn't have any effect and somehow that's completely not the case.
0: Yeah. So I think that, yeah. you know, I mean, education is mentioned as a, as an intervention in some of these studies that we read. And, you know, um, there's something to that, I think.
1: Uh, yeah, for, for sure. Um, I think education is there. Actually, another thing that I read uh, whilst reading about this, and when we talk about why would people go for less healthy food over, say, healthier food, so maybe some um, prehistoric, wiring of a well I'm not sure prehistoric is the right term but some old wiring of our brains um, convenience and then another thing I read was about price so I read a report that said um, the price of healthy food has has been increasing at a higher rate than the price of unhealthy food and actually it is a factor when people make their decisions about the food they want to buy especially for low-income families so I think that is another obstacle that's there for uh, say having a healthy diet
0: Absolutely that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know uh, I, I live with my in-laws who are from China and um, this is sort of just like a, a trivial example of this, but uh, in China, McDonald's is kind of like expensive, right If you want to go out and eat like if you're choosing McDonald's for a lot of people that's like the expensive option. and so you you know you do it less frequently as a result. And here, like, you know, it's one of the, the cheapest and fastest options available. And, and probably it's not going to check all of the boxes of the Mediterranean diet uh, that we're going to want to hit. I think it, it's... You know, it's, it's effectively the opposite. Uh, so highly processed meat, very simple um, grains, highly processed grains, uh, sugar soda. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so, um, I, you know, price is definitely a, a factor for a lot of people.
1: So it's it's uh, interesting how this happens. So also India is actually very similar. So the cost of vegetables and and fruits is very low, and then the cost of McDonald's is is high, and it's for people who are in the middle and upper classes. Um, but one of the one of the things that that report was looking into was um, the prices uh, for both developing and also developed countries. So for developing countries, the suggestion is that the rates of increase in say uh, fruits and vegetables is going to be higher than the rates of increase in McDonald's. So at some point in the future, maybe over the next 20 or 30 years, it will be McDonald's will be the cheaper option than say vegetables and, and fruits, unless you do things like have subsidies or t- uh, subsidies for farming or taxes, um, taxes on unhealthy uh, on food. So uh, talking about taxes, I think we have a sugar tax in the UK here
0: is that something you have in the US? Well, so I don't I'm not familiar with the policy details, but from, you know, from my personal experience, um, you know, relatively recently I've lived for almost 3 years in Denmark and there like it's just absolutely clear that they have like a high tax on all kinds of of sugary food. And this makes a lot of sense, given that you know the the government is basically responsible for everyone's healthcare, right? And so, if you put a tax on sugar, you get you get a double bonus, right? Which is one is just that you know you collect that income for those people who choose to indulge, and then you know you can uh, prevent you know or, you know or at least you know decrease the number of people who choose to indulge frequently in, in unhealthy foods um, just by virtue of placing a tax on it. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure there's no such, uh, no such tax here in the U.S. I mean, sugary foods tend to be relatively inexpensive.
1: Mm-hmm. So I, I, can, I view it in the same way that maybe taxes on cigarettes. So at some point taxes in the U.K. and I think also in Europe, taxes on cigarettes went up massively just because of the also it provides the extra funding for the for the healthcare systems, which are often nationalized or semi-nationalized across Europe um but i yeah again because the individual pays for their health care i guess in the in the u.s or, or sometimes the the workplace does maybe it's just not the same it doesn't work necessarily the same way i guess
0: that's right i mean the, the incentives are misaligned um and uh i think that some localities have tried um taxes on for example sugary sodas and things like that and those the politicians who try to enact those are Tend to be just, um, you know, called people who are trying to limit people's freedom and and so forth. So, uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't usually work out well. There's kind of a myopia um, among the public in the United States that uh, leads to bad decisions about policy.
1: The the freedom argument is always so interesting because it in some ways it makes a lot of sense, but also in some ways it makes no sense at all. Uh, at the same time, um, but so I did. Uh, I did try a few things about, um, for well-priced, say easy, convenient, healthy food and that stuff like Huel and Soylent. Are you familiar with those or have you ever tried those?
0: Yeah. You're going to have to tell me what it is. I mean, I I just have the vaguest notion of what these are.
1: So, so it's Huel that I actually tried. So this is like powdered, powdered meals, right? So you put it in water and then you, you drink it and I can't say that it tastes very good, um, I'm not even sure it filled me up necessarily, but it did. I mean, it must've done something. It it must've filled me up enough that I, I wasn't starving all day. Um, so I was, and I will say that that is, that is quick, um, convenient and cheap. And they say they're complete food sources so that they have all recommended vitamins and minerals and those sorts of things. Um, is that how, something how that you long... would ever try?
0: Well, I'm going to probe you a little bit first so <laughs> how, how long did you actually use this as your main or only food source
1: it wasn't my only food source so it was my lunch food source so this is the, the quandary quandary i was faced with at work so i'm i'm vegetarian so i uh, mostly vegan nowadays but i would go down to the canteen and then i would see that the the vegetarian option was priced just below the meat option and and it was quite expensive still and sometimes it was like it would just be a plate of pasta and you're wondering why you're paying so much for it, for this meal. So it felt like I was, you know, I was a little bit offended in some ways. Uh, I was like, either put some effort in or I'll find an alternative. So I did try and find an alternative um, and that was Huel and that was, so that was my lunchtime meal for about six months.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, so why, why did you stop? uh why did i stop
1: because the pandemic actually so that that's that's why i stopped so i wasn't in the office as much so it was really convenient to take to, to have in the office and just to add to water and then you could have your your lunch and then when i was at home uh it was just as easy to make a sandwich or or it wasn't so much harder to make a sandwich or or make a soup or something else so so i mean that's like a a pre a pre-made ready-made soup from, from the supermarket. So, and the soups were not, they were economically similar. Um, so that's kind of why I, I switched away, but I wonder if I sometimes should go back to, to trying that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I would, um, certainly I'd be willing to, you know, just try some, right. If, uh, you know, if it was available, I would, I'd try it. Um, I, I don't know, how much this really interacts with the the problem of getting healthy food um, as opposed to just like really convenient food. Um, uh, You know, you you say, you know, it's, they say it's complete food, but of course they, you know, they're going to say that. Um, (laughs) And so I'm not sure how much, you know, how much research there is around, you know, whether this is a good long-term food source, although I guess it's, probably not likely to be much worse than what I would just eat by default, I suppose. Um, Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I I, I might give it a try. Yeah. So,
1: you know, one of the benefits of it not being the tastiest is that you do actually enjoy other meals a lot more than you would normally. So it sort of flattens out those or makes your taste buds more sensitive or unsaturates your taste buds, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've wondered about that effect um, because I, I, I do just sort of naturally get cravings for for unhealthy foods, right? That's sort of the state I'm in now. Is that I experience those somewhat frequently, and I think that if you know if you basically just avoid those foods, you manage to avoid them for some period of time, I think that those cravings can recede. You know, it's that's not obvious when you're. Directly experiencing them, it feels like the kind of thing that would just always uh, come up until you give into it, right? But I think you know, in talking to other people and reading about this, it seems like you know, over time, those uh, you know, the degree and the the nature of those cravings will will change and in general recede if you if you don't choose to indulge them. So um, yeah, and and basically, what you need is just some kind of replacement, right? So, you know, if if I'm not hungry, I'm less likely to experience those kind of cravings. And so, if I just filled myself with fuel, then uh, (laughs) probably less likely um, to be a problem. I I read something in one of these articles um, that mentioned the same thing basically about sugar sodas, where, you know, if you just drink more water, you get two benefits. One is the benefits that are brought to you directly by drinking water, which tends to be healthy in itself, but also, a lot of the health benefits comes from just the reduced amount of soda, sugar soda that people drink uh, when they drink more water. And so I think that, you know, there's a plausible case for something like Huel um, where, you know, where, where that's concerned.
1: And you mentioned something before about uh, Huel about uh, potentially dubious health benefits over, over the long term. Uh, that is also, that was another part of my reasoning in terms of why I decided to switch away from it. Um, because it it is unclear, right? I don't know how many peer reviewed studies there are, are about it. Um, and I think there is a lot of marketing around healthy food and health, health goods nowadays, and it it can often be really difficult to understand what's real, what's not. Um, I think there's also like a, a whole, uh, There's a whole market for it on, on Instagram, TikTok with influencers and and things like that. And and then there's just the standard marketing route as well. Uh, TVs, uh, Google ads. Yeah. I don't know. Is it, is this something that you ever, do you, um, is this something you ever come across or you ever uh, have to tackle?
0: So, you know, I think the way I experience this maybe, um, is just in going, like walking through the grocery store um, you know, uh, or even just like walking around in my, in my own house. Um, so I mean, they're sort of the same in some ways. So, you know, when I walk around the grocery store, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that's available. Um, and you know, it doesn't come with any recommendations about like, oh, this is the, this is the good stuff and this is the bad stuff. Right. And so just by virtue of there being like a whole aisle of potato chips, uh, <laughs> I'm likely to, you know, more likely to buy potato chips. Likewise, at home, you know, um, I actually do very little of the shopping for my house. And so, you know, for the most part, the things I eat are just whatever is in the house or whatever is being prepared um, by other people. And so, you know, if somebody goes to Costco and buys a giant box of potato chips or a giant box of fruit snacks, you know, I'm just all that much more likely to, to end up consuming those. And so this sort of goes back again to something i said around exercise which is just that you know um there's a i would place a lot of emphasis on setting yourself up for success mm-hmm. as opposed to like always doing the hard thing of trying to make good decisions day after day after day and so you know if you know if it was all if i had complete control over it myself you know what i would do is just Rid the house of all of these kind of potential temptations, um, and so that I don't have to make a decision about you know cashews or potato chips because there's just too many times when I'm going to choose potato chips for lack of the you know the willpower. Um, so yeah, uh, that that's how I, I I don't fortunately don't spend too much time on Instagram, so I'm not uh, being influenced in that way. It's sort of just you know myself uh, against myself often and, and you know if I have two choices I end up making the wrong choice too often well don't worry Nick
1: you'll be on Instagram soon as part of the wild truth chase podcast where we will be influencing <laughs> influencing other people I'm sure <laughs> um, but it is an interesting point so I was I was living abroad for quite a while and, and when I returned to the UK I lived with my parents and I felt really quite um, helpless in terms of what food was in the house and I would just eat all sorts because it was just in the house and, uh, yeah, definitely put on a lot of weight then. And, and now, um, so now I don't have any chocolate in the house and I have to go, if I, if I feel like chocolate one day, I have to go to the shops to, to specifically buy it. And usually I find that I'm too lazy to actually go to the shops to buy it. So, which is quite a, a, a good, a good outcome. It's similar to what you were saying that you could, you wished you could do.
0: Let's talk a little bit about, Uh, I, I think it's interesting to dig in a little bit about the, the kind of parts of the diet and specific recommendations, um, that we found. And so we mentioned, um, fruits and vegetables and there, uh, the recommendation is that fruits and vegetables, you know, first of all, potatoes are not, don't count. Um, Yeah, I just had some
1: fries today and it was, I was like, I'm sure I'm getting some of my
0: yeah. N- nutritionally, you know, potatoes are more like grains uh, and not the good kind, typically. Um, so potatoes are out. But otherwise, and also like fruit juice is, is mm-hmm. not, not recommended. Um, so because you're basically getting all of the sugar and none of the fiber when you're consuming fruit juice. So, but, you know, whole fruits and vegetables uh, should make up about half of every meal. This is the kind of uh, high level recommendation um and then grains so you know the whole grain is a common kind of buzzword among you know healthy eating and uh, basically just means that you know you do less to the grain when you harvest it you basically include the the bits that you know are are slightly less tasty than the inside but they have important things like like fiber so that's kind of that's all what whole grains means um and, and so when you eat grains uh, which you know there is a recommendation to have grains but that's you should be getting fiber um, with the grains and and you can also get some amount of fiber from the fruits and vegetables and and also beans um, yeah. when it comes to um, to oil and fats and nuts um, this is sort of goes back to our point about um, there being a lot of confusion around the terminology here so so I'm somebody who's you know, Spent a lot of time studying um, chemistry and biochemistry. And I was just noticing that just within fats, there are saturated and unsaturated fats. Within unsaturated fats, there are polyunsaturated and monounsaturated fats. And within monounsaturated fats, there are cis and trans fats, right? And so, like, <laughs> it's sort of not at all surprising that this is going to be very confusing. And so, like, if you can have food level recommendations for these things, then people don't have to think about. You know, all of these like highly uh, confusing terms when, when thinking about what to eat.
1: I would say in the in the UK, I think they do have a traffic light uh, system on some foods where, where it's red, yellow, uh, green, just to give you an idea of, well, how nutritionally useful is it for you? Um, but that list of fats, <laughs> saturated, unsaturated, is, is trans fat bad? Is that
0: what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, the, to the extent that they've been banned. Um, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, in some cases.
1: Yeah. See, I, I didn't know that. I couldn't remember if it was good or bad, but I knew it exactly. was one of the two.
0: <laughs> See, so this is the problem. Um, you know, animal products are separated out here in terms of, you know, um, a source of some foods. And it seems like the consistent finding there is that red meats and processed meats um, do have negative effects. And processed is kind of like a, a buzzword, also um, when we're thinking about how to eat healthy. And there are a bunch of different ways to process foods, mm-hmm. um, but it basically refers to anything that is attempting to either improve the taste or extend the shelf life of a food. And different forms of processing include salting, curing, fermenting, smoking. These are all kind of like you know have been used throughout history to to keep meat. Um, in a you know an edible form for for longer. More recently, you know, kind of adding chemical preservatives has been the preferred method for extending the shelf life of a lot of uh, meats. And it seems like the the issue with processing and also just intrinsically with red meat is that it it raises the risk of cancer and in particular colorectal cancer. Um, it should be said that although there is a you know a significant uh, risk associated with eating those foods. It's, it's, for example, apparently not comparable to the risk you get from consuming alcohol or, or smoking, but, you know, a significant risk nonetheless, especially for people who have already eliminated alcohol and smoking um, from their habits.
1: Yeah. In, in terms of, and in terms of diet and health, actually, there's, there's actually quite a range of things that, um, a range of, um, health issues, uh, that are, impacted by your nutrition, such as cardio, cardiovascular disease, um, cognitive diseases like Alzheimer's, uh, cancer, and then and then other ones as well, like blood pressure. So for instance, uh, salt has a tendency to elevate blood pressure and uh, as a result, cardiovascular disease. So there's there's really um quite a lot of health benefits and and never mind the teeth as well. So everybody knows that sugar's gonna work away at those teeth. And and we only get two sets of teeth. Um so yeah I mean it's it was actually quite an interesting it was it was good to read about all the uh all the different ailments that people uh, that you might suffer and and then how nutrition plays a part in that actually I thought that was that was interesting and again an area in which I probably was uh not well educated enough
0: Yeah and I think it like you know taking it back to what we mentioned at the beginning it's important to hold two thoughts in your head at the same time, I think, which is that, yes, like, you know, the final word has not been spoken on these, but we sort of, we know enough to make reasonable choices. Um, And I guess to my point earlier, it's probably, it's better to set you up so that you don't have to always make the right choice um, consciously, right? And so set up your environment and your habits such that, you know, you're making kind of the right choices by default, um, if that's possible for you.
1: Yeah. And I would, I would echo the same thing. And and the other thing is that, so, uh, after the exercise one, you said you wouldn't make, you wouldn't make any changes and you did after the podcast, but here we actually, you made changes even before the start of the podcast. So that's quite a a promising sign. So if, if, if nothing else out of this podcast, uh, Nicholas is exercising and eating healthier.
0: Well, yeah. We'll see. I mean, th- this one's harder because I, you know, like I said, I have less control over, um, you know, what kind of foods are available in the house, but that shouldn't be an excuse. So feel free to, um, hold me to it. Uh, and, uh, we can update each other on how things are going at a, at some later date.
1: Yeah, that would, uh, I think that's a great idea just to see how our own journeys with these sorts of things are going. Are we, are we really aging like bosses?
0: Excellent. Well, Neeraj, um, you know there's definitely a lot here we haven't covered it all uh, but i hope that that was helpful reminder for some people to you know spend some time thinking about what they're eating every day um such that as you say they can age like a boss yeah and uh
1: small changes can have a big impact i think one of the interesting things was that diet- dietary changes don't necessarily work as an intervention aid when you're already ill but if they're part of your long-term lifestyle, I think they can be super helpful. So I think if you can just make small changes, as you mentioned, as you go along, uh, anything is good. Uh, and the more you can do is the better.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks for for finding all of these resources and uh, I'll see you next week.
1: Yeah. Cheers, Nicholas. I'll catch you next week.